Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest installment of the Friendly Confines. Alongside Chad Gordon, I am Ryan Lever. And Chad, a nice weekend it was for the Cubs on the field. Off the field, though, a different story. And we will get to those topics in today's episode. First of all, how was your weekend and how you doing? Good weekend. Great weekend. I'm really excited about our seventh inning stretch guest. We had uh, um, AM 1000, uh, Mark Silverman uh, from the Waddle and Sylvie show. And uh, we, uh, I mean, especially with everything that's going on um, in the Cubs uh, organization right now with this final stretch run with what happened with, obviously we're going to be talking about with Addison Russell was great to hear is his insights and his thoughts, but from a weekend perspective, a gorgeous, beautiful weekend. Saw the Eagles, Zach Brown Band, and the Doobie Brothers um, play at Petco Park on Saturday night. They played six hours of music. I'm still floating from just incredible music. Ooh, that does sound good. Well, you can't beat the Zach Brown Band. They're always exciting to watch. I actually got a chance to see them for the first time uh, myself last summer, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed them. And I'm not a country yeah. music fan at all, so... Uh, that just goes to show you they really uh, cover a broad spectrum of yeah. music when it comes yeah. to kind of the sort of sound that they provide to their fans. And, of course, you mentioned Mark Silverman, SIU graduate, and you said on ESPN 1000 in Chicago, you can find Mark at Waddle and Sylvie on Twitter. And I know we've been trying to get Mark on the show for a long time, so I'm really glad we had the opportunity to talk to him for this episode. Looking forward to it. He covered a wide range yeah. of topics in a big amount of you know news going on with the Cubs and that's where we'll start in the first inning where Addison Russell is no longer playing on the Chicago Cubs he is on leave right now and the reason is his ex-wife recently posted a blog stating that for the two-year marriage that they had together Addison was verbally and physically abusive throughout the entire tenure of their relationship and yeah. caused her to change kind of the, her behavior. She didn't know from one day to the next, what sort of attitude he was going to give her, how he was going to be towards her. She talks about how he used to threaten her and tell her that, you know, he would leave her and that he, you know, or rather she would be so lucky to be with him. Um, it, it's just a lot of just awful things that were posted in this blog. Yeah. And uh, to the Cubs credit, they, um, as they needed to do, it wasn't even like a, something they had to think about because obviously it would have been huge if they didn't, but um, they have put Addison Russell on leave. And as far as uh, I'm concerned, and I know you feel the same way, Addison Russell has probably played his last game with the Chicago Cubs. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that I want to get into about this with you first. Um, despite the fact that Addison Russell was one of the most talented prospects, the Cubs had in their system he came up he provided such a spark and was supposed to be really one of the core players on this team along with Chris Bryant and Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo and to think that now this is a guy who obviously has become a shell of himself because of injuries but now to have somebody like that who has treated you know his significant other who has young children um, it's really sad and scary to uh, see that this is going on. I know there's been a lot going on in, in the world today about whether it's the Me Too movement or just abuse in general. So uh, kudos to the Cubs for making the right decision here. However, we should say that Addison Russell has denied all of these accusations and says that he feels that in a fair investigation, he will be exonerated. Um, and that MLB hopefully will do their due diligence by investigating this fully. So obviously, as expected, it's a he said, she said situation. But regardless of that, Chad, nobody just makes up charges like this or allegations for that matter or accuses somebody of this. And even if there is a hint of something like this going on in your marriage, I'm sorry, as far as I'm concerned, when you are a organization like the Cubs, there is no place for something like this going on in your organization. Whether Addison Russell is innocent or not, for the time being, he needs to no longer be with the organization until this matter is sorted out either way. And regardless, even if it is sorted out, I personally feel, feel like Addison Russell needs to move on. And whether that's with another ball club, if he's proven innocent, or no longer in baseball, Edison Russell, in my opinion, should no longer be a member of the Chicago Cubs, period. 
Yeah, you've touched on a lot of different pieces. There's a lot of a uh, lot of parts there that I and I'm not sure I'll be able to address each of them. But you know, the 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 the, the what I want to share, and this isn't a defense of anyone. Uh, my heart broke when I saw this story, and this is a this is a year in the making. We saw a glimpse of this last summer. Um, when when Addison Russell's then wife, uh, before the divorce proceedings, um, had posted something about infidelity, and then her friend had posted something about abuse, it was quickly taken down. Major League Baseball investigated; they were not willing um, to cooperate. Uh, his wife at the time, uh, and, and and that side, and so it went nowhere. And so we're at this stage right now where the divorce is is, is finalized and. And, uh, you know, we're walking through uh, a lot of unknowns. And that's the thing that I want to make very clear is we'll never know. And I posted this on my Facebook post on Friday um, that we'll never know. Um, we'll never be privy to exactly what happened um, and and exactly what happened in this young marriage. And again, no defense of, of, of him in any way, shape or form. I did state uh, initially, and it was actually interesting, Mark and I, uh, Mark Silverman and I shared uh, uh, text messages back and forth. And I said, I, I think we have seen Addison in a Cubs jersey for the last time because um, this has been ongoing. There has been some strife and some issues, and, and it is a different environment right now. And this is what I'm going to say about, about all of it is just to say my heart breaks for her. Um, I hope that regardless of whatever she went through, I hope she can heal. And regardless of what happened and, and uh, the severeness and the seriousness of what happened, I hope that Addison Russell can um, um, also um, seek treatment, seek help, uh, just, you know, no matter what happened. Um, and he has an opportunity to, to, to turn this around and, and find a way for him um, to, to just be better in society and, and, and have a, a, a situation where he, uh, you know, this isn't going to be um, out there uh, in the future uh, with the future relationship. You know, the implications for the Cubs, because we need to shift gears right now. Um, we've, we've covered the topic. Um, it's been covered quite a bit. The implications for the Cubs is this, uh, no longer have Addison Russell, uh, at least uh, for another, uh, well, probably towards the end of the year. I, I can't see him if he gets reinstated. He's supposed to be reinstated within a week unless they, they delay it. I don't see him rejoining this team in the regular season. I really doubt that this investigation can be um, promptly cleared up uh, um, before the, the postseason comes to a close. And I am unsure that we're going to see him in, in a uniform again. Um, and what it does to the Cubs offense, if we could talk about the Cubs offense, is it it puts them in a situation where um, now Javi Baez is the man at shortstop. And um, it gives them a little less flexibility. Um, this obviously is a little easier to stomach and to handle uh, because, as you stated earlier, um, Addison Russell has not been playing well. And uh, this is uh, going to be a factor. It's one less uh, um, uh, tool that Joe Madden has off the bench. It's going to be interesting to see what we're going to find out with his de denial. Major League Baseball is obviously in the investigation with apparently never closed since last year. And I imagine um, that at this point, because it's public and his his now ex-wife is is uh, is is out there um, and posting on her social media, she will cooperate in some way, shape or form with Major League Baseball. And after it's all said and done, I'm looking forward to having some sort of resolution and to, to see um, how this shapes up. But it, it just sad news all around um, because of the, the the situation and the circumstances. And I, I wish that everyone involved um, can come out of this healed. It would be a black eye to this organization, Chad, if the Cubs decide to reinstate him. And you said yourself, you don't think it's going to happen. I, I don't think it will either. I think it would really make this ball club I, I, look very, very poor. I agree. I agree. A lot of fans. I agree. We had the situation with Rolls Chapman coming over. And again, that was investigated. He did serve his suspension. He did come in after that situation. What I'm trying to withhold judgment on right now is – it is, he said, she said situation. I want to trust the investigation. I want to hope that it will be carried out fully and completely, and we will understand um, the facts of the matter. Um, and my, you know, um, my hope is, is uh, that we will come to, to, to find out what happened. And I'm, I, uh, I don't want to pass judgment on either side right now because we, we truly don't know what happened behind you're, closed You're 100 percent right about that. And I, let me just say this one thing before we move on. We recently saw something similar to this in Ohio State and, and the blow up that happened there. 
and it was another he said, she said, and there was no criminal charges. The police were not involved. And that is similar to this situation. As far as we know, there's never been any sort of police record. Addison Russell has never been arrested for this. So it's a very similar situation to some degree as it is at Ohio State. And the end result was, listen, you didn't get arrested. You're not going to jail in any way, shape or form. However, if if that is something that is being discussed in any sort of situation, you do not have the privilege of whether it's coaching or playing major league baseball. And I think that that's something the Cubs need to take a stand on. And I think it's something that other teams really do need yeah. to take a stand on even more so um, as we, as we move forward here in 28. I agree I'll with every, yeah, I agree with everything you share and, and there should be a zero tolerance tolerance policy in this sort of uh, horrific situation. If proven true, the one difference between what's going on, as far as we know right now, it's in the public record with Ohio state. There was a track record of discussions and, and there was a bit of a cover up and people knew it was going on and there was discussions and, and and people were aware of it right now it is one side and a friend sharing a story and the other side denying it so i'm gonna let's see what happens in this week in this investigation this is not how how i wanted to lead off the first inning of this story i had shared in 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 that post uh uh, earlier this uh last week rather that you know i had decided when i saw addison hit that grand slam in game six you and i were both there in cleveland during the world series that i had decided you know what Addison's my guy. I'm going to get his home jersey with the World Series patch. And and I was all in on Addison. I thought he had um, the most upside and he was going to be the big superstar for this team going forward. It hasn't been to be. um, And uh, again, sad news. Um, But I say let's move on and let's see. uh, Let's revisit this next week if we get some more information. So moving on to the second inning. Here we are. Here we go. The final week before the real fun begins, the playoffs. We have Seven games with uh, four at home against Pittsburgh and four more or three more rather at home. The final series against the the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, As of this recording on Sunday night, the magic number is five. um, And the difference in games between the Cubs and Brewers is two and a half games. Ryan, how confident are you going into this final week? I'm feeling okay. I think that it helps that they are going to be playing the final seven games at Wrigley where they are going into this, uh, you know, this podcast they are i believe 47 and 27 which uh, is a terrific home record the cubs obviously play very well at the friendly confines and certainly they're going to start up with pittsburgh a team that uh you know certainly has had their struggles this year they didn't certainly do us any favors this past weekend with the brewers in town they, well, they took one they took one they took one but they they definitely got it handed to them today um so yeah i mean i feel pretty good about it i think the cubs they played well against the Cardinals. They play well against Pittsburgh. I think they're going to be able to clinch. I'll tell you what, though. I mean, between the Cardinals and the Brewers right now, the, the Brewers are not letting up. We have seen that, right? They are not yeah. letting up. They are going to continue to just absolutely hack away and see what they can do and, and just make this as difficult as they can on the Cubbies. But for my money, I think that uh, they are going to clinch and they're going to win this division. And I feel like they are going to be the central champion. So I feel pretty good about it. How about you? I am so confident right now. And I love the way the schedule played out. You know, the Brewers do have an off day on Thursday, so they only have to play six, uh, but they have to face the Cardinals and the Cardinals have to win. It's not like playing the pirates for them this weekend. The Cardinals have to win. If the Cardinals get swept against Milwaukee, they're jeopardizing their spot in the wild card, and one of the West teams could swoop in and take that. So the Cardinals have so much more to gain. The Brewers have to win. And so when you play tight like that, that puts them at a great disadvantage. The Cubs have four games against the Pittsburgh Pirates, and if you look on paper, those are that's a series that the Cubs win. And so if they can win the next two series, I feel incredibly confident there is a good chance – that uh, that we'll be seeing us uh, clinch a, a postseason berth even before the Cardinals come into town. I feel really good about that situation because um, – and what's amazing is we've been talking for about three or four weeks. The Cubs are projected to win 95 games. They're right on pace for that. They have to win four of the next seven, their last seven, to, to finish at 95, and I think that's going to win the NL Central. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. And we move on to the third inning now. So with that being said, Chad, who will lead this team? Will it be the offense, the starting pitching, or the bullpen? I will start and tell you that I think 
it will be the starting pitching. I yeah. think we've seen a glimpse of it with uh, obviously uh, Kyle Hendricks pitching a marvelous game. So good. Uh, against the White Sox. His last two starts have been absolutely brilliant. But uh, I think between him and Hamels and Lester, uh, Quintana had a rough starting outing. But I'll tell you who else has been pitching terrific is Mike Montgomery. Yeah. He really has been very consistent all year long. We, we have talked about him in the past on this show and really have just talked about the way that he's gone out there every fifth day and has brought it as best he can. He's certainly not the most talented guy in that rotation. But I'll tell you, he is always good for at least five or six innings playing, you know, and pitching solid ball. So for my money, the starting rotation, which has definitely been the highlight uh, the last 35 games, is certainly what I think is what the Cubs are going to need to rely on this final week of the season and moving forward. What about you? You know, I, I, I love this question because it really is the three segments of the game that, and if you follow Cubs Twitter, you've heard that each of these three segments are absolute garbage, you know, at, at all stages of, of the season, which is so funny to me. And I love your pick. I think the starting pitching has been absolutely fantastic and they've really been the constant and the steadiness needed um, going down the stretch, but I'm, I'm going to going to go in a different direction. I'm going to say the offense, the offense, has shown us against the White Sox what they're capable of, how they can score runs in bunches. That when um, when Dale, Mur- oh, not Dale Mur- when Murphy comes in and and uh, and and has the the type of plate appearances that he can and hit for power and, and hit doubles or slap in singles and just frustrate the pitcher. That is such a weapon that again, with the trade deadline um, was such a gift. We're seeing uh, uh, shades of, of, of Schwarber um, doing his thing. Rizzo is so consistently strong and Javi Baez is doing something offensively that we haven't seen. Um, some of his c- combined stats have never been done before in major league baseball no- with the fact that he's played three different positions. So I'm going all in on the offense. If the the pitching continues to do what they can do, the offense has an opportunity to score an absolute bunches. And, uh, and, and for that, that's an opportunity for a high scoring offense. And they are, they, they, they're leaders in, in uh, major league baseball and offensive scoring. Um, I'm feeling really good about their opportunity. So let's move on. Can I, I'm sorry, real quick. Can I just say one thing real quick? I just need to mention this Kyle Hendricks in his last two starts, 16 and a third inning, seven hits, two earned runs, one walk, 13 strikeouts. So, I mean, he has just been putting together top pitching performances. It's so great to see the professor back in top four moving into the last week of the season. And, and you ahead. know what I love? You know what I love is, we, you know, we, we rarely talk about John Lester. We, we talked about him after the All-Star break because he was struggling for a bit of a stretch. But here's a guy that's quietly going to potentially scrape up to, you know, close to 20 wins this year. And he just does it in workerman-like fashion. Um, he's a guy that knows how to get, get guys out. And I love what you said about Kyle. He's been so strong on the mound, especially as, as of late. And it, it goes back to my, my theory that I truly believe these pitchers know um, to, to, to take their foot off the gas initially. And now they've got it down They're You know, they're, 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 they're shooting past 55 and, and 65 miles an hour uh, um, on the road. And they're, they're trying to hit 80, uh, 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 you know, metaphorically in terms of, um, you know, really putting it out there on the track. And um, I am, I am, I am so impressed with what they've done. They have really been the glue this season. And one of the big pieces that we are looking at a potential 95 win season. So let's move on to a part of the offense that is very concerning to me. The fourth inning, we're going to talk about Chris Bryant's shoulder. Um, So he missed a start on, on, on Sunday, Joe Madden said, Hey, this is, this is not a big deal. Um, We are just giving him an opportunity to be cautious here and giving him a break. And remember um, Bodie used to be the superstar uh, uh, guy that you wanted to replace uh, uh, um, Chris with uh, because he sh- uh, just shot out of the gates. Um, I'll give you my take, and I want to hear yours. I am very concerned about Chris Bryant, uh, and we've shared this on previous podcasts. He is not going to be himself. We're probably not going to see him anywhere near 100%. His power numbers are down. Um, his plate approaches are, 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 uh, are, are not the Chris Bryant that we recognize. It seems like um, pitchers are realizing that with the two, two, uh, two hands on the bat approach that they can get him away with, uh, with str- uh, strikes on the outside low corner of the plate. Um, so I'm concerned about that. Um, defensively, he 
he is still such a weapon, able to play outfield corners, um, able to play third base. There's no um, detriment there. But offensively, I think we're going to get what we're getting here, which is probably a um, about an average offensive player um, at third base uh, or wherever he's playing um, at the plate. And so how concerned are you about Chris Bryant struggling and do we need a healthy Chris Bryant to go deep in the playoffs? Well, I would I would say the the answer to your second question is yes, we do need a healthy Chris Bryant to uh, make it deep through the postseason. And uh, the good news, I guess, with this is at least what Joe was telling the media before the game on Sunday is the fact that it wasn't hurting. He wasn't in pain. He was just fatigued. So yeah. take that for whatever that's worth. I'm not even sure what that means. Um, I guess it just means he wasn't in pain. So I suppose that's that's a good thing. But um, when you're fatigued, how long and how much rest do you need when yeah. your shoulder is fatigued? So uh, I, I certainly am concerned in the sense that, yes, obviously we need Chris Bryant. He is the, you know, one of the, the top players on this team. He is certainly somebody that we are going to need if we are going to win the World Series. Um, but, you know, again, I, I hope that he is able to kind of maybe rest up these next few games Maybe you give him the week off. I mean, maybe this is a situation where you try not to play him this week. I, I know that may sound crazy considering he got the division on the line, but this is a team that scored six runs today without him. And, you know, I mean, they seem to to play okay when he's not in the lineup. So maybe it's a situation where you just kind of say, look, we're going to need you every game in the postseason. So get your rest now. We'll rest you for a week. And then we need you come playoff time. Um, but yeah, it's concerning because a hundred percent you need Chris Bryant to at least be some sort of, you know, semblance of himself when the postseason is here. And, uh, I don't know if we're going to get that. So that, that is definitely concerning to me. What about you? You know, it, I like the idea. We're going to talk about when we think, um, the Cubs are going to clinch and, you know, the beauty of that statement and, and when, and if it does happen, once the Cubs clinch, you had better believe that the players that need the 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 rest, the players that need um, to take a little bit more extra time, you're not going to see them in any sort of starting lineups. I think you're just going to see them uh, stay loose, stay healthy, um, or get healthy rather, and, and stay fresh. So, you know, that's why it's so vital to get the magic number down to zero and, and, and clinch this division um, because the first playoff game would be a week from Thursday. And uh, let's say the Cubs are able to, to clinch uh, uh, before the weekend, then there's an opportunity for, for Kyle to rest his shoulder and, and get some time. So I, I, I like where the Cubs are right now. Um, they, they must win. They need to win, but also they don't need to win them all um, to make it to, to really where the real season begins. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. And I, I think that's a, an opportunity here where, you know, hopefully that some of these other guys can kind of step up in Chris's place and, and, and make the same difference they have been throughout the, the season when he was when he was down. All right, let's move on to the fifth inning. And, uh, hey, guess who's back? It was great seeing Kyle Schwarber finding his stroke again. You know, it's interesting. I feel like in 2016 when he was out for the majority of the season and then he came back to play in the World Series, it was like he was the missing link that uh, yeah. brought this team back together. And then, obviously, he was sitting out. He was uh, nursing some injuries. And he comes back. It was two for two on Sunday hits a home run, uh, collects his 60th RBI, and, uh, man, did, did he have a game on Sunday to uh, give the White Sox uh, fits, for that matter, and uh, it, was, it was great to see. So, with that, how happy were you to see big Kyle Schwarber swinging the bat again and giving a little pop to the lineup for this offense? It's so necessary because you talk about what Joe Madden has and what Joe Madden has, even in a situation where, where Addison Russell is no longer um, an active player, where, where Chris Bryant's going to need to take some breathers here and there. You have these extra pieces that fit in different areas. Now, Kyle really only fits in left field. You want him, if he's going to be there in left field, you need him to be offensively a force. If you look at his last 10 games, um, it's not anything that's going to open your eyes too big, but it's subtly good. It's subtly better. I mean, his batting averages has ticked up almost 10 points. His slugging has ticked up about 20% uh, percent, rather. His on-base percentage is, is, is up about, about 10% um, or 10 points rather. But yeah, this, this, this series against the, the White Sox, it just woke him up. He looked like a force on the plate and he has been used in very kind of limited fashion coming back from the back issue. And so if he's feeling good, if his back is strong, 
I say watch out team and watch out guys sitting in the right field bleachers because because Kyle is absolutely looking super dialed in at the plate. Yeah, I mean, to put it in perspective, he had 444 over the past three games. He was four for uh, no, that doesn't make sense. He was he was four <laughs> for nine because there have been 400. And you know what? Math was never my my forte. You can clearly Ryan, we're not. Listen, we're not going to do math on the spot on this podcast. I'm just yeah. going to say it right now. Yeah, thank you for that. But regardless <laughs> of that, uh, to your point, I agree with you. I mean, listen, it's it's great to see when Kyle is hitting well in the lineup because he provides such a different dynamic for the Cubs offense and for how players are pitched to in the lineup. You know, I mean, he's somebody that when he wasn't in the lineup, it, it certainly changes the, the dynamic of, of how the team um, is, is, is playing. And, you know, when he's hot, look out because he is impossible to pitch to. That's the thing with, with uh, Schwarber, excuse me, is the fact that when he is dialed in, I, I mean, I don't think there's any way you can pitch to him because it's like the ball is just enormous to him. And he can go in any direction and hit it a ton. But when he is not dialed in, yeah. that's when you see the, the struggles. And unfortunately, more times than not this year, he hasn't been playing well. But, man, I hope he's able to, like you said, to continue this hot streak and, and play a little better throughout the rest of the year um, and, and head into the postseason. It would, it would be really great to see because they can use his bat, especially, as you mentioned, if Bryant is not 100%. They're going to need Schwarber to really step up and provide that extra pop. Yeah, and and you know you just think back to 2016 and the miracle year and just the the Herculean Babe Ruthian sort of uh, um, story that he provided, and he has that opportunity and that flair. And you know, any any you know, despite the weight loss in the offseason, let's all be very honest. Uh, Kyle Schwarber is not the same skinny guy that uh, that we also saw going into the spring training. He's kind of shifted back into into his body or very close to his body. Uh, the challenge he's faced with right now is he's got some back issues. He's played uh, started five of the last ten games. I like what Joe's doing right now, keeping him healthy, keeping his back going. Um, maybe we need to get him squared away with Jake Arrieta with some Pilates or something this off season. But uh, um, I'm excited about uh, the, what a, a feared hitter, as you said, um, going up to the plate. So let's move on to the sixth inning, and here is the million dollar question because it impacts everything that we were talking about. When can you give more players rest? When can you bring up and have uh, you know uh, the Taylor Davises of the world uh, take most of the um, the starts behind the dish. When will do you think the Cubs win an if? But when will they clinch the National League Central title? By the way, their third straight. Yeah, well, I think here is where I, I feel like it's going to happen sooner rather than later, and the reason is is because the Cardinals and the Brewers start a series on Monday to play each other. So one of them is going to be canceling the other out. The series yeah. is in St. Louis. So that definitely helps the Cardinals. And as you said, the Cardinals have just as much to play for as the Brewers do. So this is a pivotal series for both of those ball clubs. Um, so with that being said, I think it could potentially happen before the Cardinals series. I really do. I think the Cubs, we could be saying the Cubs are central champions, um, by 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 Wednesday or Thursday, I really believe that, and I think that um, it's not going to be the Cardinals series that I think the the Cubs are going to have to worry about clinching the division. I am going to say right here, right now, that the Cubs are going to be Central Division champions, and they're going to clinch it against the Pittsburgh Pirates. What about you? Are you uh, confident in that prediction? You know, I am, and I, I you know, I love what Anthony Rizzo said earlier this week, uh, or on the, this weekend rather. He had shared that, um, you know we're not watching the scoreboard. The other teams are watching and they're, they're seeing what's going on. The, the Cubs don't have to do that. They're in the driver's seat right now. And with a two and a half game lead going into the final seven game stretch, it really, it truly is. If you do the math, now we're going to do a little bit of math. The Brewers would have to win seven straight and the Cubs would have to, to, you know, win four or less, you know, for it to even become a factor. And so that's why just from a statistical probability, it's going to happen in my mind. I mean, there have been Cubs teams in the past and we'll talk with Mark Silverman about this is not uh, daddy's Cubs team, you know, where, you know, they, they found out opportunities to falter. Um, so I, I, I'm predicting Thursday um, and the points you share. I mean, the Brewers and the, the Cardinals are going to be beating on, up on each other. The Cubs are going to be hosting the, the Pittsburgh Pirates. They have a little bit of a, uh, of, of a goose uh, 
to, to the run differential right now, the last couple of days. And uh, I, I love the home cooking of the last seven days, seven, uh, you know, last 10 days in Chicago, the last seven at Wrigley field. And uh, I think that we're going to see um, the Cubs hoist if they actually do that, but they're going to clinch the national league central title on Thursday in front of a home crowd. It's time for the seventh inning stretch, and our guest conductor this week is a very special guest, one half of ESPN's 1000 Waddle and Sylvie show. Mark Silverman, welcome to the Friendly Confines. Hi, guys. What's up? Happy to have you on here, and uh, this is uh, – I know you, and and I know you're probably just as nervous as me, and it's been a pretty interesting week for the Cubs. Uh, Mark, uh, let's dive into the big story of what's going on right now. What was your first take when you heard the news about Addison Russell? Um, you know, if you followed the story, it really wasn't a first take because – this was sort of out there. Well, not sort of, this was out there in 2017. Yeah. And, and, you know, it pops back up and, and uh, you, if you know, and, and read about today's environment with domestic violence, you know, it's never easy for victims to come forward yeah. and you never want to discredit a victim. And, but in the same token, you always want to give anybody their, their time and their uh, due process. So yeah. it's sort of wait and see. I mean, I know uh, from the on, on the field standpoint and from some of the, you know, reports that you hear about Addison Russell off the field, it hasn't been good the last couple of years. And, you know, I texted you about this the other yeah. day that, you know, Addison Russell, like he was on my championship t-shirt. One of my yeah. favorite world series t-shirts is, picture of Addison Russell jumping up and down. And yeah. I thought for sure he'd be a 10 year cub and multi-time all-star guy and, and, a, and just a sign of the Cubs way. And he's been the exact opposite of that, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and I tech when I texted you, I, I had said, I feel like we've seen him in, in the, the Cubs uniform for the last time. What do you think? Do you think that Addison Russell will ever be a Chicago cub again? I would. Yeah, I probably would. If I, if you held, me to a bet where I had to bet every cent I have, I would go with what you say as well. And look, I mean, it, it's, it sounds callous, but if we're talking about a player with Javi Baez's numbers, the debate yeah. is, is a hotter debate. And I think because I think the, the, the decision for the Cubs will be easier because the, the phrase that we always use on our show is, Whenever you're dealing with a locker room issue, whenever you're dealing with an off the field issue, whenever you're fe- dealing with drama and not just talent, we always talk about is the juice worth the squeeze? And we always yeah. see it. And if the juice is plentiful and if the production's really, really high, you know, the drama, the, the, you may be more willing to take on more drama. And with the Cubs and going back to what Addison Russell has done in 2017 and now this year, you just sort of probably say to yourself, they're probably going to cut ties with them anyway. What do you see as the, as the impact of this team for this final week and also going to the playoffs without having him as, as an option? Yeah, I mean, I think the, ideally he would have been a late-inning defensive replacement. And you, you know how important this is. The Cubs have won since 15 with really, really good up-the-middle infield defense. And it makes guys like John Lester and Kyle Hendricks and Cole Hamels, and it made Jake Arrieta better in past years. When you can count on, you know, Javi and Russell up the middle for infield defense. Now, look, this team's got a hit, and that's where Daniel Murphy comes in. And if Daniel Murphy could get on one of his heaters and they score more runs – the infield defense isn't as important, but you know how this goes, Chad. I mean, every single yeah. out is so vital in these postseason games. And the later these games get, and with all the different bullpen matchups you're going to, every single possibility for a double play or every single possibility for a great play on defense. And that's where Russell is so good. I mean, 
even though he was having such a down year, he comes back off the DL and he just flashes with one of the best infield defensive plays we've seen all yeah. year and the famous Bodie look that, yeah. you know, you say to yourself, <laughs> there could be a moment this year where in the postseason you're playing a one run game against the Dodgers or against the Brewers. And it could be a matter of somebody's glove on the infield. So that's where the impact is going to be felt the most offensively. The Cubs are better off with him not in their lineup. And they've got other guys they can go with. I love Javi at short. David yeah. Bodie's really good defensively. Um, you have Murphy and Zobrist who could play second base. Obviously not as well as when Javi's playing second and Russell's at short. But, you know, the Cubs are versatile. So we'll see how this thing goes in the last week. All right, let's put on our Cubs fan hat. And, and we both are, uh, are, are, are diehard uh, how concerned are you going into this final week, this final stretch of, of getting into the single digits of games? Well, this is where you come in because, you know, guys like you, who I read your Facebook posts all the time, guys like a Bleacher Nation, who I read, which is a really good Cub site, um, Brett and, and the guys there, yeah. and Michael, Thank you know, you. Th- they're very optimistic. And you know me going back to college. I've never been – the most optimistic Cubs fan <laughs> by nature. And I think, I think getting Theo too, I mean, not think, I know by getting Theo um, in the rebuild, my, my mindset had always sort of changed to back when, when I was growing up and it was always, woe is us. Look at what happened to me as a Cubs yeah. fan in 84 and in 89 and then 2003. And then they choke it away in 04. Then they don't win a game in the postseason in 07 and 08. And then, like, a new thing happened to us as Cubs fans where, you know, you arrive a year early in 15 and you win that one-or-done playoff game against Pittsburgh and you eliminate the Cardinals well before anything anybody thought. And then in 16, you're down 2-1 to the Dodgers and 3-1 to, to Cleveland, and you always felt upbeat. But, like, I, yeah. reading your post, Chad, honestly, and reading <laughs> these other blogs that I like, I've become more optimistic through the years and like I've, I've sort of looked through it this year through the lens of wanting to be optimistic but my brain telling me that I've always thought this team sort of lacked a little something or there's been a little bit too much drama this year compared to 17 compared to obviously 16 when everything went right and compared to 15 even where where I've, I've just wondered to myself you know you know, every time we think you're going to get on a roll, they haven't. And so I'm fighting. The, the long story short is I've had this internal battle between my inner Cub fan optimistic self and my kid in me where I've always been sort of a negative Cub fan and we'll see who will win. So I'm not quite sure to tell you the truth. It, you know, it, it, for me, it's, it's I have, have said this over and over amazing to me that that we continue to have in the national league despite the just the myriad i could i could spend a minute and a half talking about the injuries and and some of the the tough breaks that the team has had and so there's part of me that says maybe this is a magical year that despite it all they were able to kind of fight through it um so that's my optimistic side right when you when you look at this lineup and you look at um one of the biggest glaring areas let's kind of pick apart a couple areas the Pedro Strope situation, we could we could rehash that and that mistake or whatever that decision was by by Joe Madden, but that has left a glaring hole for the bullpen. When you look at the bullpen, how confident are you? And I love the bullpen when they're healthy. I mean, I think Theo yeah. did do a good job putting together the bullpen. The unfortunate part is, is moral. We knew was going to be um, a question mark because of his usage in, in last year's playoffs and his injury history in general. And I had worried that if Mora wasn't available, that eventually Strope or the lack of having a true closer in the postseason would be exposed. But, you know, Pedro Strope was getting better the more he was being used. And then now we have the injury. I've always liked, I've liked CJ more than most Cubs fans. I look at the stuff and I just, I've always believed that one day the light's going to go on for him where he's just going to say, screw it. 
I'm too good, and I don't give a crap um, if I throw a couple of balls here or get behind a hitter. I'm going to find my command and just trust my stuff. Um, so I, I like the bullpen, but I'm concerned. I mean, obviously, we've got a big weapon in, in Montgomery who's going to go to the bullpen. Yeah. And if Montgomery's going to go to the pen, and if Justin Wilson's pitching some of his better baseball than he's pitched this year, you know, all of a sudden now we're better from the left-handed side than we thought we would be coming in, especially after Dunsing struggled. So, you know, I – I, I think there's possibilities, but I do worry without having that true closer and the domino effect that that has when even when Strope is healthy, you can't use Strope now in a big seventh or eighth inning situation. Right. You have to go to C.J. Edwards, who may not trust his stuff and may get inside his own head and may screw it up. Yeah, I, I love you brought up C.J. I challenge any Cub fan that is, that is, is anti-C.J., and there's a lot of it. A lot. Uh, he's a bigger player, and, and I think he has a bigger future for us than most people give him credit for. He just just has to get his head straight. I, so let's talk on. Go ahead. Yeah, you should you should see my Twitter mentions, Chad. I'm, I'm I mean, and you can never really take it, it seriously because it's it's either one way or the other. It's it's two extremes whenever people tweet. But you know, people think CJ's garbage, and yeah. I mean, I. I and look, I, I understand he has struggled late in the year, and I understand it's maddening when you see someone with his stuff just get behind hitters. But if you look at the totality of his numbers and, and, and him still being – and knowing that bullpen struggle, knowing that Kenley Jansen is struggling, um, some of the best guys out there, that I, I will never tell you that C.J. Edwards is a bad pitcher. Yeah, I, I, I just feel like that, that the people that instantly go on the negative side, they're not watching much other baseball. They're not looking at other teams and realizing that there's some fantastic hitters out there and bullpens will struggle from time to time. Let's switch over to the offense. We just got Jason Hayward back, back in the, in, and we haven't seen Chris Burke at full potential yet, and we have no idea Hayward's going to be considering he was turning such a corner before the injury. Right, right, and like – the thing, the thing that I, I, I loved about the Cubs hitters is not just that when they were all coming up, they were really good and yeah. that they were driving the baseball. But, like, the, the thing about 16 when they were so good is, and Rizzo did this in a game recently, where one guy will work a count, and he may yeah. end up striking out after 11 pitches or, or grounding out after 12 pitches. But it just affects the stress level of the pitcher on the mound. And then like, it just gets passed forward to the next guy in line. And the thing about Jason Hayward is even though he's never lived up to what we thought he was going to be till this year, offensively is he'll work counts. And the thing that I always loved most about Chris Bryant, when he was coming up was not just the MVP numbers was Chris Bryant would go in an O2 count and he'd go to three, two like that. Yeah. And when, when you go from 0-2 to 3-2 and you coax a walk, it's more than just getting a walk. It, like, affects – and everyone down the lineup gets better. Then Ben Zobrist has guys to drive in and Javi have, have guys to drive in. And now all of a sudden things are, are, are hotter for the starting pitcher or the reliever. So that's what I love. I love, you know, with, with the notion of having Chris Bryan, who's still the Cubs' best hitter, with having Daniel yeah. Murphy, who has been – such a good postseason player with Jason Hayward, who's going to work counts with Ben Zobrist, who's good from both sides of the plate, and and just he's a World Series MVP for goodness sake. Javi Baez could win the MVP this year. Like on paper, it's like what you've talked about and your level of optimism. If the Cubs can put it together, the talent is there. We know they can hit. We know that they're better than some of these stretches that they have where they go several innings without scoring. And that's just what I love in general, the little things. And I think that's what Theo and Jed always say. It's if they can hit and work counts and, and get it going to work out the big innings. And I think your dog agrees. <laughs> that's a special appearance. It happens from time to time. Peyton uh, with the special appearance on, I love uh, on the, uh, the friendly confines. Uh, 
Um, so looking at the National League, who is the player, who is the one that really, uh, not the player rather, but the team that really scares you right now if the Cubs were to face them in the first round? I think they, like, it's sort of to me, and I don't want to be wishy-washy, but the, like the Cubs, the number one, the Cubs scare me, okay? So yeah. if I'm going to power rankings of who scares me the most <laughs> yeah. in the National League playoffs, Number one, it's the Cubs because this is what we've been talking about this entire conversation. You know, will they beat themselves? Will C.J. Edwards, you know, be the great stuff guy that we expect? Will the Cubs pitching staff, the starters, be as good as they've been in the second half? Um, will Quintana be more consistent like in, he's been in the second half of the season? Will the Cubs hitters work count? So, number one, the Cubs scare me. Number two, the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers yeah. are peaking at the right time. And I think this is sort of developing like into a Blackhawks-Kings rivalry. Mm. Sort of like when the Blackhawks and Kings played each other for the first few years of when the Hawks were in their dynasty. And the Kings like would win that. a series, the Hawks would win a series, and then they would switch off vice versa. And this could be, you know, the third year in a row. And then I, I still think that the Brewers, even though they don't have the starting pitching that some of the other teams have – a, they've got the hitters, and B, they've got the hottest bullpen. And when you can make this a five-inning game for their starters and you know then when their their bullpen can take over in the sixth inning, it makes it a shorter game, and that's what the postseason's about. So for the Cubs to be successful, I have been saying all year um, and, and, and letting people know it, it's not about a, winning 110 games. It's not about winning 103 games again. It's about peaking at the right time, being healthy. The Cubs right now are not feeling to me like they're peaking at the right time. We've got this final week ahead of us. What do you need to see from the Chicago Cubs to feel more confident going into that, the Cardinal series this weekend? Yeah, I just, I, I would just want them to clinch. I mean, I don't think there's going to be yeah. like a palate cleansing moment now where we say, all right, now all of a sudden they're on a roll and they could carry it over because like, and I mentioned to you earlier this year, Chad, that yeah. I, or earlier in the, in the podcast, that the thing that has disturbed me this year and like the past couple is it seems like every time they've worked up a little momentum, the next couple of games, it all disappears. They've had so many defining wins, so many victories this year where you're like, okay, now this is the win that we needed to start stringing some together. Whether it's the game where Bodie hits a home run to tie it and then Rizzo hits the walk-off home run. Yeah. Whether it's the game where Bodie hits the walk-off home run against the Nationals. Whether it's the recent game when they beat the Phillies on a Sunday and it was Aaron Nola who pitched. And I yeah. thought it was the best played Cubs game of the year. Aaron Nola was pitching great. The Cubs scored four runs against him. The Phillies had to go to their bullpen. The Cubs added on four more. They won eight to one. They got a great starting effort. They, they just added on runs. And I'm like, all right, the Cubs are going to go on a roll. And then they went into Milwaukee and they lost two of three. And I think that's been the problem that they've not capitalized. So I just think, just get us to the postseason. Get yeah. me to the postseason without having to play in the wild card game because I'm scared crapless of that. I don't know if I could swear on your podcast or not. <laughs> you Am I can. allowed to? You, you can swear on the podcast, absolutely. So I'm scared shitless of getting into <laughs> the, the wild card. I want no part of that wild card anymore. Yeah, I agree. We don't have 2015 Jake anymore. Yeah. And as good as Lester has been and as good as Cole Hamels is and Hendricks can be, I don't want that. Um, so get me to the NLDS and I'll take my chances with the roster and hope that the cream rises to the top talent-wise with the roster that we have. Last question. What's your prediction? How do you see this season playing out? What are the two teams that are going to be facing off, and who's going to take it off? Boy, you're putting me on the spot. Yeah. I mean, like, in, like you know how your mind can go in, like, five different directions in three yeah. seconds? Yeah. I, I'm thinking to myself, well, should I, should I say the Cubs aren't going to win the division? Should I say – well, the Brewers are going to beat the Cubs in the NLDS. Should I? I'm going to do this. I'm going to stay true to myself. And I'm going to trust that the Theo Cubs are not my daddy's Cubs. Yeah. And that they're going to win the division. They're going to beat the Brewers in the NLDS. And then they're probably going to lose 
to the Dodgers in the NLCS. So that's I wish I I, I wish I felt better. Anything's possible, but but at least I say they're going to win a series again in the postseason. I've got my fingers crossed, yeah. and I think anything's possible this final week. I think that's a fair assessment, and and that's not a pessimistic assessment at all, especially with what's been what we've been faced, especially this last month and a half uh, going into uh, the final stretch. Mark Silverman. Uh, from ESPN 1000, co-host of the Waddle and Sylvie show. Mark, thank you so much for being a part of the Friendly Confines today. I love that uh, our relationship has has grown even since our college days. Chad, keep up the great work, and I may need some of those Facebook posts uh, for you to carry me through the final week and into the postseason, all right? They're going to increase, and I, I, it means the world to me that, uh, um, that our friendship has connected and, and continued, rather. And, and I, I, love, I love the fact that you're, you read the posts. Uh, they come from my heart. And I, oh. I do think back to the very first time I met you as a hotshot senior um, at WIDB at Southern Illinois University. And uh, you, did, you were so much uh, a part of my growth and something for me to aspire to be. So thank you for inspiring me at such an early age. All the best, bro. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Mark. Have a great day. You too. Another big thank you to ESPN 1000's Mark Silverman, Mark of the Waddle and Sylvie show, one of my favorite uh, Chicago sports radio show. It's must listen radio every afternoon uh, in Chicago. Um, how'd you enjoy that interview? Yeah, no, I mean, listen, we, like you, we said at the beginning of the show, we've been wanting Mark on for a long time. We've known him for a long time. Um, I mean, he's an SIU guy like you and I, he's kind of one of the people that we've always looked up to in that regard, that he's kind of the, one of the, you know, people that have made it big after graduating from Southern and seeing what a big Cubs fan he is. So it was great to have him on and you can find Mark on Twitter at Waddle and Sylvie. And just so we reiterate as well, you can find me, Ryan Lieber, at RyanLieber75 on Twitter. And then you can find Chad, the Friendly Confines account, at win underscore Cubs on Twitter as well. Be sure to check it out as well as our Facebook page, the Friendly Confines Facebook page. You can leave your comments, photos, whatever you would like. We'd love to hear from you. Always interested in your feedback and what uh, we can talk about and what you're interested in. We, uh, we always welcome that sort of uh, interesting back and forth from our you know, listeners uh, that uh, tune in each and every week. Yeah, make sure if you haven't joined the Facebook page to definitely uh, search for us, the Friendly Confines Cubs Facebook page, um, and ask to join. You'll automatically uh, join, and it's a really fun and thriving community. So real quick, Mark Silverman story, if I may. Yep. So I, I came in to Southern Illinois University in Carbondale, and he was – I mean, he was one of – he was he was just like a god at the time because he was just so um, just so so good at what he did. And I remember working for WIDB, and he was the sports director there, and he was doing basketball games and and uh, and football games, and and he was doing his own uh, uh, sports program. And I just remember meeting him, and it was so clear to him, um, to me rather, talking to him that he knew. He would be a big deal. I, I not really. He did, you don't get into this to be a big deal, but he knew that he would have a radio, a sports radio program in Chicago and covering all the big time sports. And he just went out and did it. And he was such an inspiration to me as a as a as a young student way back in the day. And he drove me and he pushed me um, to be better and have big aspirations. And so again, the fanboy time is over, and uh, now he's a friend of the program. And he said he'd love to join us again. I really enjoyed talking to him and. And again, Mark, thanks for being a big part and, of and the, real quick, the program. Real, yeah, and real quick, Chad, if I may, I just wanted to – I don't know if you remember this or not, but Mark was a, a sports reporter. I think he did play-by-play. He was the sports director at a radio station in Esterville, Iowa. And he quit the station on a whim and took a paid internship at WGN Radio. Yeah. And it turned into the best move he ever made because he was able – to take that internship, and they hired him full-time at WGN, yeah. which is pretty unheard of. I, I know we're going a little inside baseball here <laughs> behind the curtain for broadcasting, but for our listeners to kind of understand, nobody gets an internship and then is able to really turn it into a full-time job, and for that matter, in the city of Chicago. 
So what Mark was able to do and take that opportunity to work at WGN and then turn it into what he now has at ESPN, uh, I mean, it's, it's remarkable. It, it really is. So he, he's really done a fantastic job of, of creating a, a very successful career. So it's, it's nice to see that happening. Anyway, you could, uh, you, yeah, tidbit. love the tidbit. You could listen to him. If you're in the, the, the vicinity of ESPN 1000, you can listen to them streaming online and definitely follow him as, as Ryan said, a Waddle and Sylvie on Twitter. Um, always active. If, if, if there is a Chicago sports, uh, uh, team playing, whether it's the Hawks, the Bulls, the Bears, the Cubs, the Sox, he is going to be talking about it because he's right there. He is every fan, um, and I love it. Uh, and I love – I also love that he reads the posts on the Facebook page. That was the coolest thing. That was absolutely yeah, the coolest thing. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. That's okay, let's stuff. let's let's move on to the eighth inning. We probably embarrassed uh, uh, Mark to the point of probably never want to join again. But uh, can't wait to have you on again, Mark. We're going to need you during the stretch run for what's going to be a long – playoff uh, run for the cup so let's move on to the eighth inning and we're going to shift a little bit and we're i'm going to we're going to respectfully shift hall carrollson bids farewell this weekend his final game he had a very limited schedule he is the uh the guy the the, the play-by-play guy the the the, the 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 tv guy rather for the uh the, the white Sox. he's been in that organization for so many years he is him and steve stone uh, have been a, a a duo for for quite some time um he had his his farewell Ryan, what are what are your recollections, and and are you glad to see him go? Or what, what do you think as he uh, sails off into the sunset? You know, I was watching the game today, yeah. uh, and I was watching it on MLB Network, and it was the White Sox broadcast because of the fact that they were the home team on Comcast Sports. And you know, I gotta say, Chad, it kind of was a little bit like my childhood was closing a chapter. I, I yeah. really kind of got a little emotional. Now, look, we we are both obviously big Cubs fans. Right. And I mean, I've, I've never been a white Sox hater, like some yeah. people are, or some white Sox fans are haters of the Cubs. Me I've never, neither. I've never been that way. I've always respected the organization and I've always enjoyed hearing Hawk Harrelson call games, whether it was with Tom Pichorek for a long time or Darren Jackson, or now it's with, um, you know, Steve Stone, obviously the longtime Cub announcer before he went over to the White Sox. And I really got to say, I like remember when Hawk was the announcer for the Cubs when I was about 14 years old. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm 42 years old now. <laughs> and to think that he's done, it, it really kind of makes you look back on your life a little bit and say, wow, like it's over. That That part of my life is over. And I mean, that was a guy who I remember there was – two things you could count on, right? It was, it was, you knew that you would turn on the TV and you'd see Hawk Harrelson doing the White Sox games and you'd turn on the TV when you were a kid and, and Harry was doing the Cubs games. And, and to think that Hawk is now kind of closing his career, um, it's, it really kind of hit me a little bit to say, wow, this was a guy who I had been listening and watching since I was 14 years old and now he's no longer the announcer for the White Sox so I got a little emotional about it because that was a part of my childhood Mm. to think that you know wow like that's a new era and like that's he's he's gonna retire and I'm old enough now to realize that he's 77 years old and that's the end of it but he was always entertaining certainly he as a former player he was never somebody that was the quiz essential announcer in my opinion obviously (laughs) um but Hawk made it fun and he never was uh, obviously, you know, he, you knew who he was rooting for and you knew that he w- was unapologetically a big White Sox fan. And I loved that about him. Yeah. And he was always entertaining on the air. So I enjoyed Hawk. I thought he was uh, always had some great calls. The he gone and put it on the <laughs> board. Yes, obviously, is his big home run call. Um, he was an entertainer. And, and certainly I know he will be missed in the broadcasting community uh, for the Chicago White Sox. Big, big uh, congratulations to Hawk on a, on a memorable career. Yeah, big, big congrats as well. I've got just a couple takes. One of them is, and you touched on it, is, you know, he was unabashedly um, anti-Cubs. He was unabashedly called Wrigley Field a dump, and he was so happy he's never had to step foot in that again. That's fine. I, I, I never understood the ha- hatred. I honestly feel like it was just good TV. He was playing to his fan base because there's they're just something about being, you know, being uh, your team and being against those those guys on the north side. So I, I, I it never offended me. It's it's the way it should be. 
Um, it's not what I buy into. I definitely have never, I just don't, I don't hate the White Sox. I really don't hate any other team. I just follow mine. But talking about Hawk Harrelson, one of my favorite moments, because I did watch uh, part of the broadcast as well on the, on the, on the White Sox feed. I thought it was kind of funny as the the alderman was giving him a proclamation for yes. the city. It was interrupted <laughs> mid presentation by that that Schwarber bomb. I thought that was kind of a funny piece. And, uh, and but, while he was rounding the bases, he just continued yeah, to give him the proclamation, which I thought was great. I thought that was perfect. But my moment, my memory, what I'm going to think about, and and yeah, there were there were definitely you know Joe Mann was out there. I saw Rizzo out there. There were a lot of Cubs out there. You know, tipping their cap at the end of the game. But, you know, I'll remember his final moments um, for a man that had a lot of words. He was a man of very few words um, as he, he wrapped up and he was very uh, swept up in the moment. And I really loved that he got to do this in front of a huge crowd for a big Chicago event. And he got honored as he should. Not everyone gets the opportunity to walk away and walk away in such a grand fashion with the, the, the tipping of the cap. So good on you, Hawk Harrelson, and, and, uh, and enjoy your retirement. Uh, never hated you. I, I think you, you made Chicago um, sports broadcasting so much better. Yeah, and you, you make a great point, and then we'll, we'll move on to the ninth inning. The fact that he got to walk off on his own terms, which you and I both know, again, a little inside baseball you don't get to normally do when you work in the business of sportscasting. Yeah. Um, most people get asked to leave a lot sooner than they want to. And for Hawk to be able to go out on his own terms, uh, that's, that's the best way to yeah. go in the way that you would most want to go. Um, you know, in any way that uh, you're working at any job, especially in broadcast. And my hope, my hope is when we decide to walk away from this podcast several decades <laughs> from now, we'll have the same sort of. Of same course, hundred percent. We get that tip of the cap from everybody else. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. So we move on to the final and the ninth inning of uh, today's program. And let's talk about our predictions for the Final playoff spots, Chad, and for the favorites as they head into the postseason. Well, we both agree that the Cubs will wrap up the NL Central, and we saw that the Atlanta Braves over the weekend are now the NL East champions. So congratulations to Brian Snicker and the Braves after they were um, out of the postseason and back in it for the first time since 2013. I think a lot of people think Snicker might get manager of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, over Joe Madden, even though I know we've we've talked about that ad nauseum about what we think about that. But I digress. We'll move on. And then for me, in the West, it's starting to look more and more like the Dodgers are catching fire, um, that they are going to wrap that up and, and be the NL West champions. And for my money, I think when it's all said and done, it will be the Brewers and it will be the Cardinals that end up with the last two postseason spots um, to get to the playoffs. Uh, are, are you in agreement with me on that, or is there a variance in that? You know, right now, um, there's been tighter races and there's been more teams involved where we're looking, are we going to have to have extra play play-in games and things like that? That's not going to happen unless, you know, things get very, very tight. The American League uh, is, is, is almost down to their, their final um, their, their final five. Uh, Tampa Bay is going to be the final team that's going to be eliminated in the next couple of days. And then on the National League, you're looking at, 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 uh, at Colorado um, and the Dodgers, as you said, fighting for the West with Milwaukee and St. Louis fighting for the wild card. As it stands right now, obviously, Milwaukee could be say we're fighting for the Central uh, as well. But I actually think because and here's here's my uh, here's what I think. I think we're going to see the Rockies and the Dodgers make the playoffs. I'm not sure which one is going to win the West and which one is going to be in the wild card. Last week, I said I was most worried about facing the Cardinals. If we had to, they scared me because they had nothing really to lose in their, their situation. But now looking at how the schedule is shaping up and the fact that the Cardinals have to play Milwaukee for three and then play the Cubs for three. Now, granted, um, they could be playing a collection of bench players for the Cubs this weekend, which that'll raise a lot of debates, you know, for, for players, for teams that, that want to be competitive at the very end. But what I think is going to happen is I think that it's going to be the Dodgers or the Rockies. I'm giving the edge to the Dodgers winning the West. They seem to be peaking at the right time, but I think the Rockies are going to slip in there in the wild card, and we're going to see Milwaukee host the Rockies with the, uh, the, the one-game wild card game. I think that's a very fair assessment, considering, like you said, the Brewers and the Cardinals are playing each other. So one of them has to, you know, obviously win that game and lose that game, which could 
create some sort of issue when it comes to the wild card, depending on what happens. And if Colorado can kind of sneak in there with that last wild card spot, but and, you know, yeah. yeah, the Rockies aren't on the road anymore. They're, they've got four against Philly and four against the Nationals. I think in terms of a schedule, that's a pretty good schedule at home to be going up against it where you've got the Dodgers who uh, um, are just looking scary as can be. They, I mean, they played the Padres this weekend and, and, and won two of three, but they've got um, uh, the Diamondbacks who have gotten uh, knocked out um, uh, of it once the Cubs came and, and faced them. But then – They've got the Giants uh, in San Francisco to finish out the season. And if you know that rivalry, and I've got a, a very dear friend that is in the middle of that rivalry, um, the Giants are not going to let that that uh, series go go uh, easily. So we will find out. That's the beautiful thing about it. When we talk next and when we have our next podcast, we're going to be talking about the playoffs, and all of this will be settled unless something incredibly crazy happens, and we'll do one of those special edition extra innings uh, friendly confine podcast. That is why they play the game as they say well absolutely do it for this edition of the friendly confines podcast again our thanks to mark silverman thank you mark time from espn chicago and of course from the waddle and sylvie show so be sure to check that out and you can find him at waddle and sylvie on twitter and of course i can't do this show without my partner in crime chad gordon (laughs) always great to catch up with you buddy and we will join you next time on the Friendly Confines. Have a good one, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. See you at the ballpark, everybody. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game For I've seen other teams and it's never the same When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're a field the first time you walk into Wrigley